Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with the street artist icon, founder and CEO of Claw Money, Claudia Gold. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hi there, welcome, and thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited today. We have an incredible, very interesting entrepreneur and artist, Claudia Gold, aka Claw Money. Some of you have probably heard of her because she is quite famous, especially on the streets of New York. So welcome. Thanks for being here and, and telling your story. And of course, On The Dot is, is all about just providing access to relatable role models and interesting paths because everybody has their own path to follow. I think women have a hard time sometimes seeing that path. Maybe they are in an industry like yours, which is super male dominated. And how do I walk that path? So we love to tell the stories. I think it helps encourage women that they too can walk this path and how to do it. So anyway, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Claudia is a, or Claw Money is a graffiti artist. And I guess only like 1% of graffiti artists are women. 5% maybe. Okay. All right. So it's got, gone up a little bit, but still quite low. So it's changing very fast. So. Oh, that's good. Great. 7% tomorrow, 9%. I would bet that you have a lot to do with that. So what I would love for you to do is just give us a little bit of your a background and your story, because obviously you're a graffiti artist, but sort of turned entrepreneur, right? Which has its own, you know, set of craziness. So anyway, we'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about that path and how you got started. Sure. I don't know if I was like a graffiti artist turned entrepreneur, or if I was both simultaneously, because I've been freelancing and working for myself since I was 18 years old. So... I was a stylist and a fashion editor. First, of course, I was an assistant stylist and an assistant editor and stuff. And I worked my way up all the while, sort of separately. I was painting the town red, so to speak. <laughs> um, in the fashion industry in the daytime and sort of, you know, wild at night. I would say after... 9-11 here in New York, things really changed in my world as far as like styling, music videos, catalogs, and commercials. All the production sort of like left New York and went to California. I was also wheeling and dealing vintage clothes at the time, and I had a lot of Japanese clients, and they stopped coming to New York. At that time, it was a very like strange time in New York, and you could sort of like run free in the streets and I sort of went on a comeback tour with my graffiti and everything sort of slowing down with work and a lot of people started saying to me because the claw started popping up everywhere you know hey you should do a claw for my clothing brand hey why not do a claw for my denim brand or whatever and one day I just woke up and said like oh I have a great idea I should make a t-shirt and I made a t-shirt in 2002, and here we are 16 years later. I have a retail store on Delancey Street. Of course, it didn't happen exactly like that, but so I sort of, you know, I kept two things separate, and then 
after, you know, things really were like dying down for me professionally because of, you know, New York being so sort of like beaten down and people not really wanting to come here and spend their money here. My brand was born where I got to like merge my two passions, which are, you know, clothing and art. So back to the the graffiti, because this is really just something, you know, that's interesting to me. So when you were doing, and or especially in the early years, I know now the city actually hires you to, to do some stuff, but was it illegal? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so did you, did you ever get arrested? Oh, yeah, I got arrested tons. <laughs> gotcha. Well, of course you were, and how long were you actually doing your signature claw? I've been painting claw for over 30 years. It's- wow. Wow. Long time. Like, so, like when I say it, I'm like, oh, God, I'm old. You know? You know? Now you don't get arrested anymore. Now the city actually hires you to paint stuff, right? Yeah, I, I might get arrested. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, ex- exactly. So, so note to our listeners today, if you do follow Claudia's paths, you might get arrested. So there you go. I'm not necessarily, like, promoting you know, the illegality, but I am sort of promoting like the anti uh, advertising, Mm -hmm. sort of you're forced to look at, you know, all this advertising all the time and graffiti gives you a little bit of a mental break and also a reminder that we are in a free country and that people are, you know, risking their own freedom to remind you of that. And that's the importance of graffiti to me. You know, that was sort of my take on it. Like, I'm forced to look at all this stuff. Why shouldn't I look at something I want to? Right. Or something that, like, is not costing. I'm not being asked to, you know, participate in. I'm sort of just a voyeur. And and I really respect graffiti. You know, that the message of graffiti in that spirit. Uh, You know, I I know you talked about you. You weren't sure if it was you know, you went from artist to entrepreneur um, or whether you were an entrepreneur first. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, you sort of have this in you and you were doing that freelance. You're kind of were your own agent, if you will. Okay. Then you jump into, okay, I'm, I'm developing a brand. I'm creating a clothing line. I have a store and all that comes with that, which is all the great stuff, right? But also all the day-to-day entrepreneur, small business. So tell me a little bit about that journey, just opening your store and just some of the challenges that you faced and, you know, I guess probably continue to. Well, you know, it's work. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of busy work and it's a lot of, you know, budgeting and not necessarily like the glamorous side of fashion, but, you know, I do everything from signing the checks to cleaning the bathroom here. So, and really, so do all my employees. Like we're all sort of hands-on, everybody does everything. And I would never like ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. But, you know, it's the, the mundaneness of running a small business. It's, Mm -hmm. Uh, the excitement of being in New York City and sort of, you know, dealing on a real like human level with people constantly like creating and making new stuff. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired. I am. Yes, I I hear you. Well, and I think it's important, uh, you know, to to have these discussions because I think that entrepreneurship, you know, has become, when I was in school, which was, you know, 30 plus Mm -hmm. years ago, uh, I mean, I didn't even know the word entrepreneurship. It's like, what is it? And all of a sudden it's this kind of sexy buzzword. Everybody feels like they either need to be or they feel like it's this glamorous thing. And then if when they get into it, 
they're almost shocked at right how much work there right. is and how much sort of like grunt work there is right because facebook and instagram don't show that right so everybody wants to be a boss and nobody wants to work and it doesn't really play out like that you have to get your hands dirty roll your sleeves up and really like get in there i think that there there are pluses and minuses to being an entrepreneur right mm -hmm. And there's also something nice about like getting your paycheck, knowing your job stops at five o'clock and you know what I mean? I often think about that, like what would it be like if I sort of shifted and creative directed for like a brand or an advertising company and I'm not saying that my day would end at five o'clock, but I wouldn't have to take home all the stressors and all the responsibility. You know, it means a lot to me to pay my employees on time. And like a lot of people depend, you know, the way business goes. So I feel, you know, an immense amount of pressure. And I also feel an immense amount of pride because I do work really hard and but I don't think being an entrepreneur is the be-all end-all of, you know, having a career necessarily. And I think right now it seems very, you know, sexy or very cool. And yet I think that it, it's a big responsibility. And if you're sort of not up for it, it's hard. But if you love what you do and you're passionate about it, then entrepreneurship you know, is for you because you're basically going to be spending all your time and money on your work. Exactly. Well, and I love what you say just about that there's nothing wrong with also feeling proud about a career. And I think that we also like to talk a lot about, about intrapreneurship, right? So if you feel like you might have that little buzz, you can still do that within a company. You can still be that employee who is innovated, like all those things all the good things about entrepreneurship, this is the part I think people miss that are in, you know, companies or corporations, even big corporations sometimes, that there is, is very often a way to flex those entrepreneurial muscles, but not have that downside, right? Correct. To really, to really be that and to be innovative and to have ideas and to be passionate about things. And, um, and I always encourage, especially, you know, young women coming up that you shouldn't even think about entrepreneurship unless you are the best badass employee willing to go the extra mile, jump through hoops, because that's a telltale sign. If you are buzzing so hard at your job, you can break out. But man, if you're not doing that for somebody else. How can you do it for yourself? Right, right. Because it is is very, very difficult. But at the same time, don't you feel like it's worth it to give it the old like college try when you rather sort of say like oh I tried to like you know I had my own clothing business for three years and it was you know really fun and really cool but I learned all these things and now I work for x and I you know what I mean I don't necessarily think failure especially in entrepreneurship is a bad thing I think it really teaches you a lot of skills and a lot of humility which you can apply to your career in many ways it's interesting. Yeah, I'm on my I'm on my second second round, second company, and you know uh, this this one on the dot is in startup mode. And I have to say, you talk about the word humility. It's exponentially harder than I thought it would be, and I knew what I was getting into. But what I didn't factor was the emotional part. I didn't think I would go all the way back like I did with my first company and feel all those feels 
and the fear of failure and the panic, you know, and now I'm almost feeling them exponentially because like I further to fall. So it's a real interesting, I think people sometimes don't factor that emotional part because it is, it's so much a part of you. Sure, sure. I read, I read something recently about, you know, like being married to like an entrepreneur and like the, like the pitfalls of it. And, you know, I often think like my poor husband has to like listen to me talk for the 900th time about like a big opportunity that, you know, won't necessarily like sort of pan out. And like, also we always say like, you know, don't take it personal. It's business. But when it's your business, how can you not take it personal? It's very difficult to sort of separate the two. So as much as I love being an entrepreneur, I also dislike it. And I'm, I'm, I'm weary of it a little bit. You know, I'm weary of, 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 of the job. Yes. And I think that, you know, most entrepreneurs, I didn't think I would do it again, but I, I was so passionate about the idea and felt like I had to do this. You know, when you, when you look at statistics and it's telling you that the number one reason why women are not advancing is because the lack of access to relatable role models. I was like, well, that's just stupid. I can fix that. You know, it was not even like, oh, I'm going to start a business and this, a business plan. It was more like, no, 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 that's not okay. There There really is like, there's no visibility to real role models just from uh, like a basic point of view. Like you turn on the television, you know, you want to say like, hey, let's watch The View. There's all these women. But then you're like, oh my God, what are you women talking about? This is not really, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it. But at the same time, you know, like a lot of those women Barbara Walters, Whoopi Goldberg, sort of like before that, I were much more credible. Mm-hmm. But yes, there is such a lack of access to role models. But at the same time, it's better than it's ever been. You know, the good news is there is this buzz going on. Um, my fear um, and what I what I'm really where where on the dot is sort of living and where what I'm passionate about and why I reach out to incredible women like you is that we are living on this one end of the spectrum, which is really talking a lot about scarcity. I mean, the Me Too, Time's Up, um, inequality of pay, those things, which are so important, not diminishing their importance and what's going on, but it's always about the have not, like what we don't have and what's lacking instead of, okay, let's also talk about the millions of women around the globe who are successful and they look just like you and me. And they, they're fighting it out and they're battling. And then that's what we're, we're trying to live on this end to say, you know what, we get it. We need a lot. We need to fix a lot of things, but let's also look at the abundance, right? Let's look at this. Ultimately, I think that's really holding women back. And, you know, there's like a victimization and a blame game going on. And I'm not saying it's not true, but I find the louder sort of like the me too gets. And I'm not saying... Um, this is from, from a total neutral position, yeah. but it's making men not want to hire women. And uh, like, how do we deal with this? Like, we got to keep our mouths shut or there's like, a, is there a fine line of like, yo, you can joke around with me, Joe, but you're making me uncomfortable where you're not necessarily taking it to the, I don't know. I don't know. But I ultimately do feel like this is going to backfire, like upsetting to me because like, what do we do now? Right. You can't like, you're in a, in a weird position. I also think that like where men were abusing their power before a lot of women are abusing their power now. 
sort of like any woman could sort of destroy a man by just pointing a finger. So it's a very uncomfortable place, women in business now. Do you know what I mean? So there's trepidation to hire women because of all these problems. There's women that are feeling a certain way and then using their power to sort of equal the scales in their mind, but maybe they're really like destroying someone's life and career. Um, I don't know. I feel very like I'm very worried for young women. It's very hard. It's very hard for them to sort of navigate through this. Yeah. In fact, we, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the, you know, the buzz of diversity and inclusion and we've sort of added, we're doing a panel and we've added another piece and it's civility. So we're talking diversity, inclusion, and we're going to talk about civility because how do you get back? What's the new normal in the workplace where people can have civil discourse or even just fun? You know, how, what's the new normal? Like nobody knows how to act anymore. That is right, right. So everything is like stifled. Oh, you can't say that. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't wear that. You can't, you know, say that. What, what is going on? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm well, not it, saying that anybody should ever tough. feel uncomfortable or threatened, or but there is this highly sensitive thing going on that, you know, we got to just be some big girls over here and like woman up. You know, you want to play with the boys, you got to play with the boys. And sometimes you don't want to play with the boys. And I get that too, because I certainly kept my company like all female for a a long time with a pinch of, you know, men uh, here and there. But I'm finding it difficult to sort of be able to operate the way I want to operate with sort of all these new eyes. Like you, you can't make a mistake or you can't. You know, and it's uh, very difficult, and I don't know, I'm back to hiring men. You know, I think that at some point, the new normal has to be, we, we do have to work together. And I think that the good news is there, there are lots of great men out there that are super supportive of women. Absolutely, and this, absolutely. You know, and so what we need to do is take, you know, connect with them and help that, you know, help them feel empowered because I think they're even a little nervous. Like, okay, I support women, but I got to be super careful. So I think that they're, they're, you know, I think it's just creating what that new normal is. And I think quite frankly, what, what we're trying to do as well is really get women to close that confidence gap, to step into their power, you know, about, about really tangible things because that's where, again, not focusing all on the negative. We understand it's acknowledged. If it happens to you, it shouldn't happen to you. It never should happen. But let's talk about up here because we also need to take responsibility for owning our power and stepping into it and really, you know, making sure we have a seat at the table and, you know, owning that. So, and it's interesting you mentioned about young women because I'm just curious to ask you, you know, we're millennial women are the largest group of women in the workforce right now. And, um, you know, we, we feel, you know, a huge passion to help them because at the end of the day, if you and I don't help them, if our generation doesn't reach back, and that they have the best opportunity to really create this environment. I mean, it's an exciting time for them, but I think that they feel, and, and some of it of their own making, right? you know, millennial women kind of network with millennial women. And what advice would you give to these young women in the workplace, you know, either in an entrepreneur or coming up, you know, is there, is there something that, you know, you feel from your experience that they should be doing or focusing on? 
Well, I just think they're not only millennial women, but millennial men as well. There's an, a real entitlement sort of going on. I think that, you know, they were raised on the internet and the information age, and they really feel like they're more sort of apt to understand things, you know, they don't need to sort of go through like a training. Oh, I know how to do that. I know all about that. And in some ways they are more advanced than sort of I was or you were, you know, as a young woman going into the workplace, they have, I just think that like kick that entitlement to the curb and really sort of figure out how you can be like an important part of a team. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So what's next for you and, and Claw Money? Um, well, we are launching our kids brand, which I'm super excited about, September 22nd here at our store. And we're oh, very cool. going to transform our little corner here in the Lower East Side and have lots of fun games and activities for the kids. Really looking forward to that. And I have a podcast myself that comes out on iTunes on September 10th, and it's called Gold Mines with Claudia Gold. And it is about subcultures and how they intersect together to make mass culture. Because I'm sort of involved in all these different subcultures that end up like sort of like blowing up and making corporations like all, all this money. There's a lot of unsung heroes and I'd like to, you know, shed some light on. That sounds fascinating. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you'll have to listen. I will listen. <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll make sure to put the links in there so that all of our listeners here can can find you and find your super cool new kids line. That's amazing. And finally, since we're all about role models and talking about role models, is there anybody in your life that either has been or a role model or multiple role models, just people that you've sort of followed? Sure. Of course. I've been really thinking a lot about my friend, Deb Parker, who sort of transformed the landscape of like New York nightlife in the 80s and 90s and how she was this sort of larger than life woman that like employed all these like larger than life women and we all became this family and then sort of like all the things I learned from her in my early 20s are sort of molded me and inform all of my like decision making and my sort of love of other women and trying you know to help them and you know form a a community that's awesome very cool i just want to thank you for being part of on the spot this morning and and taking the time to do this interview i think it's just a super interesting discussion and you know i i think that the message that that i got from this is whatever your industry your career we're all in this together and there's so many lessons that we can learn from each other so i appreciate you sharing sharing yours yeah, and all for all women you're swimming upstream it's hard just do it All right. (laughs) Great advice. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. We'll have links in this podcast so that you can find Claudia and all the amazing things that she's doing. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a nice day. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our free daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass you were meant to be. Don't miss next Thursday's episode where we sit down with the founder and owner of Soapwalla Kitchen, Rachel Winard. We are focused on your success, which is why we are hosting the very first on-the-dot See It to Be It Success Summit in Austin, Texas. 
Join us on Thursday, October 18th at Vintage Villas for a day jam-packed with panels, workshops, and networking opportunities with some of the best in the biz, including Meredith Walker, the co-founder of Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, China Widener, the National Strategy and Operations Diversity and Inclusion Leader at Deloitte, Catherine Stiles, the founder of Barbecue Wife, and so many more successful women and entrepreneurs. Have you purchased your tickets for the See It To Be It Success Summit? What are you waiting for? Head on over to onthedotwoman.com to purchase your tickets today.